Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. Hey Mike, so we are going to skip from Romans 3 over to Romans 13. And our reason for doing this is, obviously I'd like to be honoring, but no, uh, yeah. whenever whenever you consider, again, the principle of reading Romans backward, which is how we started yeah. our book. Well, um, we're doing it back, back and forth, not backwards, it's Romans back and forth. We're weaving in Romans is what we're trying yeah, to yeah. do. But like um, so often the major heavy theology of one to six, depending on how yeah. you start the book, is often separated from a lot of the later instructions. Mm-hmm. As you work through Romans one to three, so much of what Paul says theologically, he is then going to explain the praxis of in Romans yeah. 13 to 14. So and it's that. And just to reiterate, it's just reiterate, it's that praxis, that practical on the ground reality that that is what's driving the theology or or what why why he's giving that theology is to give weight and fuel for that praxis. Absolutely. And so if you remember back to Romans 15, his his pinnacle of the book, the climax he's working toward is that all people in Christ Jesus will live in harmony in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jew and Gentile together um, will be under the lordship of Christ. That's his aim and his goal. Now, in Romans 1 to 3, we, of course, had great discussions about Jew and Gentile and righteousness and law and Torah and what all that means. He then is going to get to Romans 13 and then bring that back to what more is going to be on the on the ground, everyday living praxis of what he's talked about there. So let's start in Romans 13, verse 8. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are all summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So. Let let me ask you this question, Mike. This is a mm-hmm. conversation I'm still having with my congregation. Yeah. Should Christians do Torah? Yeah, I mean, like in this sense, yes. So, I mean, obviously, that needs qualified and clarified and explained. But, I mean, Paul's saying exactly what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount: "There, in everything, therefore, treat others the same way that you want them to treat you." For this is the law and the this is, this is what the scriptures, this is what the Bible is all about. Yeah. And whenever you notice, let's just work carefully through a few things here. He says in verse 8, the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Mm-hmm. I am convinced there he's talking about the Torah, the law of Moses. I mean, that's, that, yeah, in a context of Jews and Gentiles, that's exactly what the law means, right? It's not some exactly. abstract And then he's going to thing. quote from Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, just a few of them. Yeah. To make the point that the Ten Commandments themselves, the original Decalogue of Exodus 20, was aiming at love. What the Ten Commandments were doing were instructing Israel to love their neighbor and to fulfill the law. Now, I'm so glad you've already brought up the Sermon on the Mount. Remind me in Matthew 5, 17, what did Jesus come to do to the law? 
Yeah. So he didn't come to abolish or destroy, but to fulfill. And in context, that doesn't mean fulfill prophecy. He he talks specifically about the commandments. Whoever um, disregards even the smallest details of the commandments and teaches others to do the same um, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And and so their fulfill specifically has to do with the um, moral, ethical, practical wisdom that uh, the the sort of society vision of, of of a people who love God with their all and loves their neighbors themselves who who work with the true God in doing justice and, and that sort of thing. Absolutely, and. The thesis statement of the Sermon on the Mount, of course, is the doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's how we fulfill Torah. So when we read Romans 13, 8 through 10, the words of Jesus should be rushing back to us. Love and sacrifice and doing for another. That's what the Torah was all about. Go ahead, Mark. And and just to just to clear, because there is the part of your question, right? And, And you ask it in a deliberately sort of you know, kind of provocative way, but the 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 lines where this question that Paul addresses in Galatians and earlier parts of Romans about justification by works of Torah, that's in the specific context of the things that define Jews as Jews. Gentiles aren't obeying Torah, practicing Torah in that sense, right? But we we go to Torah, we go to for a prophet's writings to teach us about God and his purpose and to give us wisdom for life in, in Christ. And that's exactly how Paul uses Torah when he's giving practical instructions to the various churches that he writes. You know, even as something as simple as, you know, here we've got it in this sort of big command of love, and, and that's the sum of it all. But even just a very simple example of another way Paul would use this in in 1 Timothy 5, when he's talking about honoring elders, he quotes Deuteronomy 25 and Luke 10 as scripture. And those are precedents uh, that he draws on or wisdom that he draws on to say, yeah, of course we should support elders, right? But there it's, do not muzzle the ox while he threshes. He quotes Torah to give wisdom for life in Christ, right? And so again, just just showing the way he's using that to give us that practical wisdom, that's very different than saying, circumcise your sons on the eighth day and do all these things that mark you out as a Jew. Excellent, excellent. I could not have said that any better myself. Let me ask a couple of questions, Mike. So the way that Luther, Martin Luther, tried to understand the the Christian's relationship to the law was by dissecting the law into various parts. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. the ceremonial and the ethical. Um, yeah. Now, I understand what Luther's doing there. Okay. He's trying to get at the different parts of the law and how they may or may not apply to us. Is yeah. that the most helpful way for us to think through our relationship to the law? It's tough because it just it, it the, the 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 law just doesn't naturally lend itself to that kind of division I don't think because for you know if you think about the the fundamental reality of the Shema love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and with all your strength you see that same idea just in the 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 weaving say of Leviticus there's no neat and tidy division between what we might call a ceremonial ritual 
um, and a sort of ethical reality, right? Don't don't uh, mix cloth and love your neighbors yourself are all in the same chapter. And and it just and and part of I think the beauty of that teaching is the fact that it's not about just dividing life into categories, but it's about integrating our whole lives before Yahweh. Um, and so on one hand, it helps us just start to get our heads wrapped around something that is so big and complex. Um, but at the same time, there's there's a sense in which we're also imposing something on the text too that might keep us from missing some things. And, and that's why I find it more helpful to sort of say what I did earlier, that when we when we go to those scriptures to understand who God is, what his purpose in the world is, and to to see in context what, you know, gain wisdom by studying these passages in their context and see how they were speaking in their day uh, about what uh, over, especially over and against their pagan neighbors and those myths and those ethics and those kinds of things. What we see is a remarkable vision for wisdom that that's that is there and can offer us all sorts of inspiration for life in Christ. Um, and so to me, maybe uh, an ethnic, uh, you know, sort of view versus it's all scripture, which is for wisdom, that just sort of taking it like that and respecting the fact that, you know, in, in the same way we would read one of Paul's letters. I, I'll use this illustration sometimes, but at the end of Second Timothy, he gives some instructions to Timothy about bring the cloak and the parchments and don't forget the books, right? Well, I don't just pick that up and say, okay, I've got to obey that. I recognize that's that's something that's written to a very specific person, a very specific time and place, and 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 yet it's scripture, right? And and so I think we can do the same, take that same principle and apply it to the law and the prophets, and say, yeah, there were some things that were very specific for Israel that marked them out as Israelites, and yet I can still go to that. And it's saying something about who God is and saying something about wisdom for life in Christ without having to, you know, do all that. So, okay. Yeah. Sorry. You're, you're, you're asking questions that are very much uh, passion points for me. So I'm, I'm uh, yeah. Anyway, so you're getting longer answers, but. So you're saying we need to circumcise our chest sons. So if you Oh man, you were listening so well. I'm so I'm so glad that that's that that's the conclusion you drew. <laughs> um, I'll see you this time. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> um, if you go down then and look at verse eleven, um, he, for, he's for people for people listening who don't know us, Ryan was being sarcastic just in case there was a question. <laughs> just just want to. I have it on record. <laughs> okay. Um, um so if you go down to verse 11 besides this you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed the night is far gone the day is at hand so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Okay, so my, let's, let me put this together. 
In verses 8 through 10, he mm-hmm. is talking about fulfilling the Torah through love. Yeah. And then there's this really weird discussion about night and day and the flesh. How does that fit with what he's just said? Yeah, I mean, so I think there's probably something going on here where these instructions are related very directly to former practices that these Gentiles would have that would have characterized their life as pagans, right? But he's taking the the teaching of the Torah, love your neighbor as yourself, which he said, any commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. All of this falls within the framework of how we treat other people, right? That's It's not just a bunch of uh, random moral check boxes like that make up our individual morality but it's it's they all make up this this fully orbed life of loving our neighbors ourselves treating others in a way that reflects god's character then he gives some very specific instructions that that carry that forward um then speaking into their their own specific circumstances as as former pagans um so yeah, so therefore don't live this way anymore, right? Because we are about fulfilling a Torah and loving our neighbors ourselves. Yeah. So and I'm, I'm gonna expand upon this a bit more as well. I think when you look at verse 10, if the Torah is going to be fulfilled through love, the opposite of love in the Bible is lust. And people who know my teaching, this will not be anything new at all, but Love gives, lust takes. Mm-hmm. Grace yeah. gives, sin takes. I, I yeah. feel like I go back to that every time I teach or preach. Yeah. Uh, the Torah was meant to instruct Israel to love, not just their Israelite neighbor, but even their Gentile neighbor. That's what, that's what the Torah was aiming to do. Now, Israel well, fell immensely at that. Go ahead, go ahead. And that, and that was Israel's vocation, right? They were to be that royal priesthood, a holy nation, you know, among the nations, right? They, they, they were to have that role among all the other nations. So yes. Correct. And I think even this idea of the light, um, he's going to come back to this in Romans 15, but it's, it's Israel was meant to be the light to the nations. Um, yeah. They had fallen into darkness. Now, why did Israel fall into the darkness? It was not because of the Torah, but it was because of the flesh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's what Paul's argument is really in Romans 7 and 8 is all about, mm-hmm. is it's the law was not the problem. The law is good and holy and righteous. The flesh was the problem. Sin was the problem. And yeah. what happened is sin, capital S sin, mm-hmm. hijacked the Torah and made Israel view the Torah selfishly. So all of the commands that were meant to lead them to love their neighbor had been twisted into forms of selfishness. Even something like circumcision was meant to be a gift to your son to inaugurate him into the covenant. And it was meant to be a gift of grace. But Israel had twisted that into a works of law that elevated them over the nations. Yeah. And I think what Paul's getting at here is if the law is going to be fulfilled through love, the law is going to be broken through lust. Hmm. And so those Wait, are, say, say that say that last part again. If the yeah. law is going to be oh broken as in yeah, violated. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So 
if the law will be fulfilled through love, it will be broken by lust. So I think that's what he says in verse 13. All of the these these activities in verse 13, which I think harken back to Romans 1. Yeah. All of these are activities of lust. Yeah. They're and, all and about taking for oneself rather than loving. Yeah. And so it, then he says, put on Jesus Christ and put off the flesh. Go ahead. Define lust for everybody, because I think um, we're, we're so often hearing lust and think specifically about and narrowly about sexual desire. Yeah. But how, you're, you're talking about lust in a bigger way, how would I'm you I'm talking about that? it more in the sense of covetousness, selfish yeah. desire in general. Yeah. Selfish desire. Absolutely. And then I, I like, I like that giving versus taking, because that's exactly the, the, the line of demarcation when, when it comes to love, we, you know, to use John's writings, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. That's giving to the fullest that's possible great. way. And, and eight and, and, um, the anti-love is all about me and taking and hoarding and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. If, and if you map this back onto earlier parts of Romans, the faith of Jesus Christ is all about the Christ giving himself for us that we may reciprocate that grace and giving ourselves for him and for others. That's Absolutely. the of Jesus Christ. Works yeah. of Torah in the book of Romans were the Israelites' dilapidation of Torah to look how externally holy we are compared to the nations. And they were able to take honor and privilege for themselves. Yes. No wonder then that Paul says that we are made righteous, not by works of Torah, but by faith. Yeah. I could say that in my own way. We are made righteous, not by taking, but by giving. Yeah. We are made righteous, not by covetousness, but by grace. Yeah, absolutely. Said another way, the law is fulfilled, not through lust, but through love. Yeah. Amen. And, and, I, and I think that we map back onto Romans 1 to 3 in all of the detailed and theological discussions about law and righteousness and Jew and Gentile, etc. This is where Paul's trying to lead us to as the praxis of that whole discussion. I think that's exactly right. Yes, that's exactly right. So my familiar foundation, because in our next conversation, we're going to venture into Romans 14. But mm-hmm. we have to get this before we get to Romans 14. Yeah. If if righteousness comes by faith and faith is all about doing Torah by love and mm-hmm. the opposite of that is covetousness, the opposite of that is lust, the opposite of that is taking that heart of love, that heart of faith, that heart of giving that has to be assumed before we go into Romans 14 or we're going to make a mess of the matter. So that's yeah. that's where we're going to go next week. Conclude for us today. Yeah, I mean, to just sort of sum all that up uh, in something Paul wrote earlier when he's arguing uh, about some of these same dividing lines of Jew and Gentile uh, based on whether or not they observe Torah in that in that sort of ethnic way. Um, he concludes in, in Galatians 5, circumcision is nothing, uncircumcision is nothing but faith working through love. And, the, and it's that it's that allegiance to Christ uh, manifested in the fact that we love our neighbor as ourself. Um, that is what life in Christ is ultimately all about. Being a disciple and follower of Jesus is, is all about. And, and so, yeah, that's exactly what he says here um, in more words. 
Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. Oh,